0: Okay, let's get over to Tom Fishburne, Generation Alpha, which is the new designation for kids born lately. <laughs> There's still another year to go, I think. But the earliest ones, I think is 2012, uh, would now be 10 years old or something. So they're just about to be teenagers. And uh, so the market research guy says it looks like we have work to do. To appeal to a younger generation, early sentiment analysis describes our brand as a big dummy poo-poo head, which I'm guessing is a negative sentiment, although I'm not 100% sure. And young kids tend to string stuff together, and you're not always sure. Sometimes they just... Latch onto an expression, even if it's very bad, and they go with it, which is kind of funny. Anyway, uh, you know, kids are funny. Here's the little kid, and uh, whatever that brand is there. So, Nike CEO John Donahue recently gushed I like that word gushed about Generation Alpha, the under 12 demographic that comes after Gen Z. The way most companies look at consumers is well. Who's got disposable income? What an idea. (laughs) If if you're selling Bentleys, you need to find somebody with a lot of disposable income, right? If you're selling bicycles, not so much. But, you know, so we don't look at it that way here at Nike. We look at who's setting the agenda. Who is the future? And I'll tell you, no 10-year-old in our family set the agenda. But I can see why Nike might think so because, you know, I got my first pair of tennis shoes at about 10 years old. I wasn't able to get them as soon as everyone else in my class. Uh, I I went from corrective shoes for my fallen arches. Does anybody have fallen arches today? Everybody, or a lot of people seem to. Anyway, I had these fallen arches. I don't know what that meant, but it meant I couldn't get tennis shoes. And I then I went from that to Buster Brown's. I went from the the really orthopedic shoes <laughs> to Buster Brown's, which were brown and you know, they look like Alan Edmonds for kids or something. And, uh, you know, not the greatest for baseball. Then I got, then I got, uh, actually, I think my first pair of tennis shoes were top were legit top because by then I was taking sailing school classes. So anyway, I was not oppressed. I was privileged. I know. So if you, and if you weren't in sailing school when you were 10, then you weren't privileged. <laughs> Excuse me. Hopefully, you had other, other opportunities along in life. Many marketers are starting to jump on the Gen Alpha bandwagon, okay? Uh, named in 2009 by McCriddle Research, a generation born between 2010 and 2025. As the oldest generation Alpha approaches teenage years, marketers far beyond Nike are ramping up their focus on understanding the tastes and habits of the shiniest new generation you know they eat what we tell them to eat it's in my house and uh, not anymore uh marketers but my daughter is you know even funnier about that than than we were i mean her kids were were eating uh some kind of pasta spicy pasta dish and they were just shoveling it right in you know three years and one years old okay so are they alpha yeah, they're alpha. They're both alpha. I'll have to tell I'll have to tell my daughter that she's got to pay attention to the habits and tastes of the shiniest new generation. Marketers are all often, always guilty of treating generations as monoliths and describing Gen Alpha. And descriptions of Gen Alpha are filled with hyperbole. It will be the most influential, most authentic. Now, this is I think is funny. What in the world does that mean when? You know, all of your opinions are fed to you by the Internet. And the most digital savvy, and I doubt that, you know, when I started building websites, I did it with code. You had to code your website. You know, you you had to you write the code and you tell it some number for the background color and some number of pixels for the dimensions. And then you upload it and see what it looks like. And that's how you did it with Chameleon, I think, was my first Uh, browser editor i know way more about html than most of the people who build wordpress sites you know i'm not sure of it so it doesn't you know in the 1940s when you bought a car it came with a manual on how to change how to how to (laughs) hone your cylinders (laughs) and change your rings (laughs) does anybody do that now no so it doesn't necessarily anyway that's just bunk so contrary to John Donahue's claims, marketers often don't pay it, don't pay attention to the consumers who actually have actually it, it's it's not contrary, Tom. It's in agreement with John John Donahue's claim. They they go after the shiny object and they don't pay attention to the consumers uh, who actually have disposable income. Going along with John. Anyway, one study found that consumers over fifty five have seventy percent of the u s disposable income yet only five percent of advertising spend is geared toward this age group, and mostly it's like it's like nursing home insurance and annuities right as Ryan wallman quipped, and I had to look him up creative director at and head of copy at wellmark p t y limited, I think it's like an ad agency. Marketers will continue to ignore all consumers over the age of 35 unless someone discovers a way to put these consumers on the blockchain, which they probably already are. Too much of generational marketing is herd effect. Genuine consumer insights run deeper than age brackets. So here's a couple. I may be a YouTube star, but are you sure I'm a good fit to promote your mortgage business? I'm only 12. Just do something millennial. Here. What do we know about Gen Z so we can get them to buy stuff? So far, all we know is that they hate brands that try to get them to buy stuff. And I like that one. Okay. Amazon in Illinois has to face privacy claims over Ring doorbells. Now, what's happened here? I'm going to summarize this very quickly because it's it's four minutes long. But the Ring doorbell has a camera in it, right? And so theoretically, it could biometrically scan an image and connected to the Internet, I mean, you can go on and say, who's at my door? You know, you get an alert. Your doorbell's ringing on your phone. Who's at the door? And it's the guy in the UPS uniform or something. So then you can unlock the door or you can talk to them, stuff. That's the way I don't have one of these. I don't really want one. Nobody comes to my door. Uh, the package guys know to just throw it on the porch from a distance. But uh, Amazon has also... They've they I think they have bought a facial recognition company and they've filed they've filed patents saying, well, if there's a camera that's hooked to the Internet, we could conceivably. And so they they filed a patent to keep other people from doing essentially to keep them from doing this very thing. So now they're being sued because, according to Amazon, these things don't look up anybody. They can't and they can't do it. They're not good enough at it. Um, but someday they could, and they want to have the patent for it when it happens. They've thought it up, which is most of what an invention is, and now uh, they just want to hold that place open. And so because of that, now the judge says, well, you say it can't do facial recognition, but you also also went to the trouble of filing a patent. So it's kind of a catch-22 type deal. Okay, direct marketer strategies to – and this is funny, as it happens, because Fishburne comes out with this, you know, you might want to give up on this, you know. Here's all of what the millennials need, and here's what the Gen Zs need. I thought this was interesting from Joy Genduza. I've sent Joy about a dozen connect notices or invitations, and I'll send her another one, but she never does. So if you know Joy, you might want to say, hey, John keeps talking about you. She writes good articles, although this one was way long. Um, But she says mail is growing and postcard mania. She puts in a commercial for her own thing. This is an entrepreneur dot com. OK, their net their net earnings jumped 30 percent in 2021. And um, because people because digital ad prices are going up overwhelmed with the number of ads on their screen, third-party cookies, ad blockers, opt-out of emails. So direct mail is the perfect avenue for directly talking to your customers, okay? And it's the best-kept secret. So what do you do? Baby boomers require clarity and value. And there was, you know, there's there's a lot of value in this article is what I'm basically trying to say. And uh, so first off, she talks about vision. And she talks about how, uh, you might need glasses I did an analysis of ads for the Billy Graham crusade uh, the Billy Graham Association for their annuity program and what we found was if the type got to eight point that's very small if the type it you know that that readership was pretty okay if it was bigger than eight but when it got to eight or below if they ever did that the body copy the Number of leads generated went to like zero. It just it went and then off a cliff. It wasn't like it wasn't like a little slope with the size of the the type. So you can completely destroy your your effectiveness by making the type too small. And I do like fonts like for for body copy like Times New Roman because it has serifs. Those are the little the little footies on the font. And uh, which reminds me, Ariel and Helvetica went into a bar. The bartender looked him over and said, "We don't serve your type here." Anyway, if you're into graphic design, you might laugh. I hope you smirk a little on that one. Um, that was from a comedian. I can't remember his name right now, but I'll tag him in here. he's got a he's got a lot of tech jokes and a lot of he's a lot of font jokes, which I think is really. Odd, but anyway, we're connected. Unlike joy. So anyway, um, you might want to put in a map. This was an excellent idea, and I'm working with a local retailer in Chicago, and I bet they've never put an, a map in their in their uh, in their ads, because you know everybody knows where they are. They've been there 40 years. You know, let's put a map in there. Let's test it. One of the things about mail that Joy does not mention really is testing, and she has a couple of case studies. And like their, all their case studies, they really aren't well tested, or at least it's not documented that there's any test whatsoever. Uh, just here's what they did, and here's the result. That is not a test. That is a try. Okay. So 68% of Boomers said that they are that uh, the most effective element, the most effective element in direct mail, was Locally owned and I've shared that with you a couple of times when I see some like exterminator or lawn care or something and I say well is this some and I on I, I was on Facebook and we had a power outage for 14 hours and um, you know I've been thinking about a generator but but one of the neighbors said well I got a solar array and they just bought a, built a new house and we didn't even notice the power was out because it keeps our refrigerator going and our AC going and uh you know we have big batteries and so it was it was ducky so i'm thinking of that so i was on facebook and i saw an ad for some solar thing and it looked like it was local but it turned out it was an illinois company and so i'm not going to follow up and instantly facebook hit me with five solar ads and not one has sent me a piece of mail not one has followed up including the one i actually gave my physical address to did not send me a piece of mail They gave me some kind of little quote that said I could save money in the long run by putting up solar. But that wasn't that wasn't enough for me. Uh, And so put the map in there. That was excellent. Um, Boomers think mail is more personal. And then here's a case study. This RV repair place sends mails out 2000 postcards a month every month for five years. And he went from averaging four to five jobs a week to over 25 and calculates that every time he mails 5,000 cards, he generates 150,000 in revenue. So, and is that incremental? Does he do holdout tests? We'll never know. Okay, Gen X, a mix of digital and print because they grew up in the, you know, by the time they were in high school, they might have gotten... Connected to the internet, something like that, because it's about 95. So that'd be they'd be 30s. Yeah, okay. So yeah, 95, they'd be in their, they could be 30 or they'd be in their 20s. So they would get some as soon as it came on, they would probably get some exposure to it. Incorporate digital elements in your direct mail campaign like QR codes. Why wouldn't you do that for the boomers? Because we're not probably going to scan it with our phones. Because my kids love. Visiting websites with their phones, I, you know, I just, maybe my fingers are too big. I don't know. But um, anyway, the, so the Gen Xs are really into blended. So make sure you include that and give them a deal. They like that. And uh, the boomers like it, but they have all the disposable income in the world, so they don't need it. Um, also, 70% of shopping carts are abandoned. That happens to me a lot. Um, so you might want to try direct mail retargeting. If you're, a, if you're a .com and you're not doing direct mail retargeting, you're really missing out. And um, it, is, it is something that can be highly automated. And um, well, we'll get to that in the next one. Millennials are impressed by unique tech savvy marketing what's really funny is is that i was working with a catalog company just a year or two ago and the president called me up and she was i would say in her late 40s maybe early 50s um and she said did i just got a i just got a postcard in the mail from i don't know what bed bath and beyond or something some some big retailer you know home related retailer she said Where'd they get my address? I said, did you visit their site? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, they got it by matching your browser and your home and and mailing you. She said, really, you can do that? I said, yeah, you really can. So millennials are impressed with that sort of thing. I don't know that she was a millennial. Uh, probably she was Gen Z. Anyway, um, they also like personalization. Jackie, take some time for yourself. And, of course, with a digital printer, you can put that in. You know, like here I have a postcard. You can't read it, but it it says at the bottom, promote Miglash Marketing Inc. today. Stand out. But it's got my business name right there. So that got my attention a little bit. And, you know, that would have been incredibly difficult to do with an old offset printer, but not anymore. A study done by the Rochester Institute of Technology, where everybody learned to run big web presses, said that a recipient's name uh, as personalization improved the response rate by 135%. That's a lot. That's more than double. Um, but again, test it. It may not work for you, but you should give it a test. There should be a list at arm's l- length long of things that you're thinking about testing. And that's part of what we give you here. But if you don't test it, I mean, just do it. You'll never know the incremental value of it. Okay, invest in a creative mailpiece that breaks the mold. And so, larger size. This one's this one's uh, five and a half by twelve and a half, or something like that, or six six and a half by twelve and a half, something. It's big. Um, and uh, yeah, probably six by eleven. That's probably what it is right there. Um, which is a little, a little more expensive, but really, really stands out. But the problem is, is that when I get it in the mail, it's folded in half, kind of haphazardly by the post office. So it kind of wrecks some of the effect. Okay, coordinate direct mail with digital ads. You can do that. You can upload your mailing list to Facebook and Google Ad Network, and you can, and you can actually trigger the ad to appear when the, when the piece is in the mail. And finally, Gen Z, they didn't mention Alpha. Gen Alpha uh, pays attention to reviews and retargeted mail after they surf the web. So again, now all of these can be tested with all the groups. And too often, people rely on uh, geodemographic lists instead of interest lists. So I did work with the Wyndham Hill Records back in the, I don't know, Late nineties, early 2000s, probably early 2000s, and they were buying they said we've done studies like Fishburn was showing at the beginning, and they said our our buyers are our our uh, music buyers are are mostly men thirty five to fifty five uh, high income high education, okay, disposable income. They said, but when we rent those kind of lists, we get no response. And I, you know, it turns out there's 14 million of those kind of names in America. You can just get, take them all. But they only sold about 4 million CDs a year. So obviously not all of those are their customers. And anybody with a a little common sense knows that that's not the only kind of customer they have. So neither of those are true. Um, I said, well... Why don't you put a little card in your CD case saying we have a free catalog And in six months that generated six hundred thousand new names, so they didn't have to rent any after that. and it uh, and when we mailed those, that generated ninety thousand new buyers. and so and so they were able to completely blow their valuation out of the water and sell out to BMG for I think seventeen million. Or, yeah, BMG, is that... Anyway, one of the world's largest record companies. They sold out, like, instantly. You know, and I, I got a thank you note or something. So, anyway, uh, sometimes the geodemographics are not the way to go. Um, Villian, Villian Callis Pediatric Dentistry rented 24000 uh, and did kid-friendly postcards, and they... Gained 90 new patients and made about $36,000, okay? And at a dollar piece, they spent $24,000 to make $36,000. And so probably it wasn't break-even um, if this is gross sales, but maybe they got some long-lasting customers out of that, you know? There's always more to it. And unless you test it properly, unless you set it up, unless you get to the right numbers and look at the incremental value, you don't know if you're making money. That's the way we learned it back in the old days when we had to make money in mail. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Share. Oh, and note down below the little scrolly thing. I'm going to be doing a webinar that's ticket only. It's not going to be everybody. You got to sign up and you got to come. Um, to Spinning straw into Gold, I'm going to be sharing some of the new elements of my newest edition that I'm working on right now. Uh, and you'll also uh, be be part of a group that will get to see the, the pre-release new chapters so that you can comment and let me know if I've lost my mind. So be sure to share this so your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.